0: Today's readings taken from two chapters in First Samuel. The first passage is from chapter 27 verses one to seven, and the second one will be in chapter 28, 1 to 20. So chapter 27. But David thought to himself, "One of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines." Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. David and his men settled in Gath with Achish. Each man had his family with him, and David had his two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail from Carmel, the widow of Nabal. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. Then David said to Akish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So on that day, Akish gave him Cichelag, and it belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. David lived in the Philistine territory a year and four months. Chapter 28, verse 1. In those days, the Philistines gathered the forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. David David said, Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Achish replied, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his hometown of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritus from the land. The Philistines assembled and came up and set up camp at Sh- Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gibeah. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or orium or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him. Surely you know that what Saul has done, he has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for me to bring about my death? Saul swore to, her, swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, he cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. What does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a rope is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Paul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing and all day and all that night. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Great. Thanks very much, uh, for Rebecca, for reading, Victor, for praying. Let's keep that passage open. Again, we're doing uh, three chapters of 1 Samuel. We read parts of two. Next week is the last one. Only two chapters left, and then we finish this book but yeah let's uh, keep the passage open let me pray once more Uh, father i just pray that you would really speak to all our hearts please give me strength and would what i say be, be true to your word would you apply it to our hearts and make us see jesus and follow him in jesus name amen great well um I st- one thing I still don't know the right etiquette for is if you have an appointment with someone, should you send a reminder? Now I know some people kind of, you know, you make an appointment, okay, uh, one year later, we're going to meet at 3 o'clock on that street corner, and you know, you know they will be there, no problem, it's in the diary, they'll be there. Other people, maybe it's good uh, to send them a reminder, right? The day before or that morning, hey, are we still meeting? I don't know, do I offend someone if I ask them, because maybe I think they're not reliable. But of course, we, we don't want to miss out, right? You don't want to go there for nothing. Eh? I mean, maybe it's now 3.30, and you're standing there on the street corner, and this is Hong Kong, right? It's 35 degrees, the sun is blazing, and you're standing there, and kind of, why is he not here? You know, uh, is he late? Did he forget? Did something come up? You know, why am I here? Because if, if, if he wasn't going to come, I wouldn't have done this. Of course, these days it's different, right? You just have a mobile, you can call them. Long ago, when I was young, we didn't have that. <laughs> but, yeah. I think, I don't know if you feel like that sometimes in the Christian life. Because the Christian life can feel like pretty hard, right? fighting sin and serving and doing all that needs to be done and, You know, facing Fleck in the office. (sighs) But we know Jesus is coming back, right? That's what he said. He's going to come, and he's going to sort it all out. And so we're waiting for that. But don't you sometimes wonder, Jesus, are you still going to come? In the first century, people thought, Jesus said, right, I'm going to come soon. And and some people thought it's so soon, I'm going to give up my job and just wait. And Paul said, no, no, don't do that. It might be a while. Jesus said, okay, there's going to be a delay, right? Here's ten virgins, five of them have oil, and they were ready, and five of them didn't have oil, and they they weren't prepared for the delay. But still, end of the first century, people were wondering, well, I don't think he's going to come back. And now it's 2,000 years later. Is Jesus really going to come soon? Is he going to come back? Especially when you look outside and you see the world, and it really doesn't feel like it's getting better, right? You see the church, and it's shrinking in many places. Not much is happening. You know, your great Christian leader you looked up to turned out to be a fake. Uh, Is Jesus really at work? Is he really going to come back? I think we we need that motivation, right, to keep going. Well, that's why we're looking at this passage. Um, If you've been here for a while, you know we're going through 1 Samuel, David, David, is this picture of Jesus and he's the chosen king. The only thing is the kingdom's not here yet. He is still on the run. He is hiding. He's running away from the current king and his men are with him. But I think they are wondering, will this ever end? When will this be over? When will David be king and life is back to normal and everything will be right? When is this going to happen? Because it's been a while, right? It's been... 12, 15 years, they wanted to finish. Well, we're now approaching the climax, right? Uh, This week and next week actually is one big passage, almost the the climax of the book. Chapter 27 is the background and then the four chapters of the the final days of David and Saul as kind of these two kings. Of course, that's too much for the sermon, so just like the Deathly Hallows or Infinity War, we're going to do it in two weeks, but... uh, yeah, th- this is the climax. Now it's finally going to happen, and so that's going to really help us, right? And so let's look at these chapters. I don't know what you thought of it. There's some weird stuff here. I'm sorry, I don't, can't go into all the details. Please ask me. But this is really going to help us to keep following. Well, they were to follow David, we can follow Jesus. And so, well, let's start with chapter 27. And to be honest, I don't know what you thought, I think David is in a mess. You read chapter 27, David's in a big mess, because what does David do? He's going to go and live with the Philistines, right? He said, uh, I don't think I'm safe here in Israel, 27.1, so the best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. I'm going to live with my arch enemies, and then, you know, no one can, Saul won't get me. And I, in some ways I can understand that, right? If you heard the reading, he's now got 600 men following him. And those 600 men have their families, right? So it's not just the men, there's the wives and the children, right? Maybe some young babies, maybe a group of two to 3,000 people. Can you imagine running around the desert and hiding with that big group of people? That, that wouldn't work, right? So you can understand that David says, well, let me go and live with the Philistines. And uh, it's now a few years that he's been on the run. He's no longer the army commander. The Philistines are not as suspicious. So he, he comes to Akish, and, yeah, he, he can live there. He asks, uh, can I have a city? Uh, got so many people. Uh, Ziklag, uh he gets a city. And uh, he lives there with, uh, yeah, with, with his men and their families. And he lives there for one and a half years, quite a long time. Now what does he do this one and a half years? Well, we didn't read it, but uh, he carries out raids. And now David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. Uh, and, and these were all enemies of Israel. He would go raid them. But well, what did he do then? He would go back to Akish. And when Akish asked, where did you go raiding today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of Jeremiah. I would raid Ju- I've raided Judah. Look at all the stuff. Now, that's a lie, isn't it? He's just lying. (laughs) So that uh, basically Akish thinks well of him. And he would leave no one alive. (laughs) Now, I don't know what you think of this, of David here. A year and four months doing this. Now, God isn't mentioned. It doesn't say, you know, the thing that David did was good or it was displeasing. I mean, we can understand David, but at the same time, don't you feel this is wrong? Don't you feel he's kind of lost his faith a bit, right? You no, know, uh, he knew God had promised he would be king. Uh, he, God had kept him safe all those years. Surely God can keep him safe now, right? But no, well, I don't think I'll be safe here. I'm going to live with the Philistines. And, 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 and he's lying for all this time. I mean, it, maybe some people think, oh, David's like a James Bond undercover agent. You know, he's doing the secret mission behind enemy lines. I don't know, the text doesn't say so. When he leaves no one alive, that's not because that's according to the command of God. It's you Now, what does he say? Uh, he thought they might inform on us and say this is what David did. He just doesn't want his cover to be blown. Now, I don't think this is a flattering chapter. Here's David, you know, yeah, losing his faith, sinning, and... Uh, it's a mess. I mean, David isn't perfect, right? David's not the man after God's heart. Only Jesus really is the man after God's heart. But at the same time, you read this. I don't know if you fall thought about this, but don't you think, David, what are you doing? You're going to be the future king of Israel, and you're living with the Philistines one and a half years. How's that going to look on your CV? I- imagine you're Winston Churchill. And you know you're going you know, to uh, you be prime minister of England. And then you go and work one and a half years for Hitler in Germany. Uh, would that look good on your CV? Uh, I don't think so, right? Uh, but that's what David did. You know, don't you think you, guy, you should be defeating the Philistines and rescuing? But he's living with the Philistines. A- and it backfires, right? Because 28 verse 1, he's, had, he's made such a good impression... Uh, in those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. And Aki said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. Right? The Philistines, they're going to attack a big assault on Israel, and David needs to join them. He's there in the army, and they're going to attack Israel. Here's the future king <laughs> attacking Israel with the Philistines. And what a mess, right? He is... He is not in a good place. This is all going wrong, because if he joins this, well, he's not, never going to be king, right? No one will accept him as the king. Well, we're wondering that. And then suddenly the camera switches. We stop the story, and we switch to Saul. Uh, we need to go for the story a bit, and then, then we'll com- apply it later. Uh, Saul, well, different message, right? Saul is doomed. What happens with Saul? Well, here's the Philistine army, this is a couple of days later, and he is just afraid, right? Because all this army, and he wants to know what to do, so he asks God, but God isn't answering. He hasn't spoken to God for 15 years or so. Uh, God is not speaking to him. Prophets, nothing. Urim, nothing. Uh, No message. And so he has this desperate solution. Let me talk to a medium. Uh, someone who can talk to the dead, maybe that will help me. This was one of the worst things you could do in the Bible, talking to a medium. Well, he goes there, it's a bit funny, he has to go bravely behind enemy lines and reassures her, look, I'm not going to do anything. Uh, Well, they call up Samuel, the prophet. And, well, I don't know, do you think this is real? many people wonder, this is so weird, right? A medium and calling up dead people, can mediums do that? I think this is an exception. I I think, you know, uh, this woman was terrified when Samuel showed up. So I think she's a fake and kind of, whoa, there's really a dead person here. Um, Maybe it's the demonic normally. I, I think in this case God really sent Samuel. Just like he sent Moses and Elijah on the transfiguration. God can do that. But even apart from the details, you know, Samuel's here and Saul explains his situation. Look, the Philistines are attacking me. God isn't answering me. Please tell me what to do. And and he's such a wreck, right? He is sometimes he's a monster, but here he's he's a wreck. And yet using a medium, right? God isn't listening to me, so let me commit one of the worst sins you can commit. Not a good idea. But yeah, Samuel doesn't have any good words for him, right? You heard it. What's the message? Well, the Lord has done what he predicted for me. Why are all these armies here? Well, the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands, given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. It's a very sober message right you can imagine he falls down without strength you know you're going to die and your sons are going to die and the army is going to be defeated and the philistines are going to win but why well the lord has done what he predicted the lord did what he said through me all those years ago right back in chapter 15 before we ever heard of david when david was still a little shepherd. Samuel said to him, chapter 15, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. All those years ago, God had said it. And I don't know what Saul was thinking. Maybe it wasn't too bad. Maybe, you know, it's not really happening. But no, 15 years later, this is happening. God is going to give the kingdom to David and he's going to tear it away from you. God's word to Saul, well, it's going to come true. It's going to be, be happening. God will fulfill his words. Many of us, we make promises, but we forget about them, right? Or we, we change our minds. Actually, that wasn't a good idea. Not God. God said, I've rejected you. And that was final. God didn't change. God didn't compromise. It would come true. It came later. Fifteen years later or so, but it came true. And, and that's scary, right? Well, let's think about that in a moment. You know, God's word is going to come true. Because actually, but let's think about it now from David's perspective. We know David is going to go against Israel in the army. But then this chapter, well Saul's going to die, right? Last week he said, I'm not going to kill Saul. And now he's going up against Israel, and God has told Saul is going to die in this battle. Saul, David is going to be part of the army that kills Saul, right? The whole kingdom is again at risk, right? Even more. Now, what does it look like? Doesn't it look like David hired the Philistines? Let's work together. Let's get rid of Saul, and you'll be the masters, and I'll be the puppet king, right? Isn't that what's happening? That's what it looks like. David. He's in such a mess, the whole kingdom is at risk. Well, thankfully, chapter 29, we didn't read it. Disaster averted. It all works out fine because, well, David is there in the army, and then the other Philistine kings, they see him, and they ask Achish, what is David doing here in your army? Ah, David, he's a great guy. He serves me. He's loyal. I love him. He's great. And the other Philistines said, no. Look, this is David, the one, right, who, the song, tens of thousands of Philistines that he killed, <laughs> you don't want him in your army, right? He's going to turn against us, go back to Saul, he can't join us. And so like, Akish comes to David and says, oh, I'm really sorry, you're, you're so wonderful, but no, sorry, you need to go. And so, whew, David will not be in the army. When Saul dies in chapter 31, David is 100 miles away. He He's innocent. And I, I, I think that's emphasized in Akis' speeches. Akis doesn't, he speaks better than he knows. Because in every speech, what does he say about David? I have found no fault in him. Uh, I have found no fault in you. I know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Right? He's thinking so highly of David. Which is weird, right? Because David has been lying to him for one and a half years. He's not blameless at all. But from God's perspective, in terms of his fitness to be the king. In terms of his CV, he is now blameless, right? He can go home so that he will be blameless. He will not be the one who has killed Saul. He will not be the one who attacked Israel with the Philistines. He's blameless. And, and God does that. This is such a surprise, so amazing that the Philistines saved David. It, it can only be God, right? This is God stepping in and, no, this is going to happen. I, I think this is encouraging for me. When I make a mess, right? You know, I often mess things up. It's nice to know that God can get you out of the mess. Right? F- a friend of mine, he was a, uh, yeah, he was a, he was working in London and he fell in love with a colleague and they could never have a relationship that was really. And two times he came very close to giving it all up, and then uh, that colleague got moved to Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> right? He was so glad in a way. Temptation all gone. God can do that. Doesn't mean he always does it, right? Um, we don't have a specific promise that, God will never me- that I will never mess up my marriage or something. But the thing with David is, he's different because David is, again, he's not an ordinary guy. He's the king. And David does have this promise, right? David will be king. And we see here, well, God is going to make that happen. God had promised to David, you'll be the king. And even when David messed it all up, God made sure you will be king. And so I'm going to get you out of this army send you back, send you away so you can be the king. And isn't that the same as chapter 28? God will make sure his word is fulfilled. That's what what we see here, right? Both David and Saul, what is happening? God is making sure his word is fulfilled. He promised it. It's going to happen. It's going to come true. God is going to act to make this happen. It might come later than you think. God may have other plans, but it's going to come true. And I, I think that's what, that's what we need to hear, right? That's what the readers, you know, you're on, you're in, you're on the run. You're with David in Ziklag, and it's going to, God's word is going to come true. And we're following Jesus and, and, and it's hard, and it's going to come true. It's going to happen. God will make sure his word is fulfilled. Uh, I think that's what, what we, we need to know, right? Now, how do we apply that? Uh, let's first do the negative. Because Saul is facing judgment, and that judgment will come true. Maybe later than Saul thought, but it's going to come true. Uh, God said that he will make this world right, which means getting rid of everything that's wrong. Getting rid of everyone who ignores him and rejects him. Now, maybe you don't believe that, right, because, you know, you live your life and nothing's happening. But the fact that it's delayed doesn't mean it won't happen. One day, Jesus will come, and that will mean judgment, it says. I think for many of us, we, we sometimes we see this judgment in the Bible, and we think it's a bit like the millennium bug, right, if you were around then. You know, all the computers in the world are going to crash and uh, civilization is going to end and it's the end of the world. And, well, I was there. (laughs) Nothing really happened, right? It was all fine. Maybe some of us think, well, yeah, yeah, God threatens all this judgment, but in the end, ah, it shouldn't be. Maybe there's a small chance it'll be okay. It'll be fine. I can work it out. Maybe, Maybe God will save everyone at the end. Maybe it'll just be fine. And and because that may happen, maybe where I don't need to do anything. Well, this chapter says, God, this is not like the millennium bug. This will happen. God will do what he said. He will get rid of all sin and evil from his world. It will happen. So do something. If you're, you're not a Christian, maybe this chapter won't convince you. But look at the resurrection of Jesus. If that's true, if Jesus was dead but he rose again, well, then God is very committed to Jesus. Jesus will be king. Because when people killed him, he raised him back to life. Look at the resurrection and and be convinced. God really wants Jesus to rule. And so are you going to be with him? Are you going to join him and come back to him? And and you can. Because he he died, he paid for all your sins. You can come back to him. But you need to do something. It's, very, it's certain. It will come. And even as a Christian, do, do you believe this is going to happen? Well, the people you see around you. Again, it's easy to think that oh, maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it's not too serious. And let me not embarrass myself by talking about the gospel to people because maybe they won't like it. Oh, maybe there's a small chance they'll be okay. No, it, it will not be okay. We need to warn people but that's the negative. Let's go to the positive. Right, Jesus will be king. David would be king, Jesus will be king. His side is the winning side. God said it. Jesus will win. So we can keep going. Right, the serving and the fighting sin and the enduring opposition, we can keep going because we know the end will come. It's certain. God will fulfill his word. I don't know what it is for you that makes you doubt that. You know, maybe it's the, it's the mess of this world. You, you look around and it looks like nothing's happening and it looks like Jesus has forgotten. Be assured, he will come. He will sort it out. Now, the church, yeah, the church has had problems, I'm sure. And yet for 2,000 years, Jesus kept it going, right? All the false teaching, all the persecution, the church is still here. It's still in every country in the world. It's the biggest religion in the world. Jesus is still at work. And even though it doesn't look like it, he will come back. The kingdom will come. So, so keep going, right? You know, no one can mess it up. David, tried, <laughs> David messed it up, but in the end, God didn't let him mess it up. You can't mess it up. You can mess up your work and your marriage, but you can't mess up God's plan. Isn't that encouraging? Nothing you can do can mess up God's plan. Jesus will be king. He will have a bride. If you trust in Jesus, you will be there. Isn't that encouraging? Now, I I hope we take the message on board. It's certain. God will make sure it happens. Let's keep going. And it's not just certain. As we'll see next week, it's absolutely worth it. But But that's next week. But, yeah, let's keep going as Christians. Even if that means serving hard work, it's worth it. Why don't we take some time to reflect for a few minutes? and then the music team will uh, lead us in a, a last song. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that your word will come true. You won't forget, you won't change, you won't compromise. Help us to hold on to that word. Help us to live for you, to live knowing that the future will come. It's certain. Jesus will be king and to see that what it means for others, and to, to want to spread this message. Pray for, even now for Lom Kamo School, School. Uh, people around there would hear and come and, and hear the message. Father, please uh, strengthen us. Whenever life is hard, when we see the world, and it looks like a mess, and it looks like nothing's happening, give us trust in your words. Help, give us faith that we might live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand, let's sing by faith this last song.